You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Is ruthless Putin showing a softer side? What would the perfect punishment for the murder of a tiger be? Are you smarter than a crow? These are just a few of the topics we'll be covering today. Hello, I'm William Mayoff. And I am Nancy DeFabio, and welcome to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science, to animals in entertainment, to animals in religion, to animals in agriculture. As many of you know, animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society. So this show is about increasing our knowledge and our understanding of the animal world. And from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. Our guest today is Christina Zupko. She is a journalist, and she's also uh, a big uh, supporter of the cleanup at Ormond Beach. There's an Ormond Beach restoration project that's uh, not being um, imposed, uh, and uh, there is a big issue there. So we're going to be talking to her about that. Uh, But for now, there's uh, I have a little story for you. There's a woman, and she's walking past uh, a pet store. And there's a parrot in a cage outside the pest door. And the parrot looks at her and says, Hey, lady, you sure are ugly. So every day this woman passes, goes by the pet store because that's when she's on her way to work. And the parrot does the same thing. He screams out to her, Hey, lady, you're ugly. So one day she got so upset, she ran inside and told the owner, Listen, if your parrot continues to do that, to tell me that again, I will let everyone know in the in the neighborhood, and nobody, and you'll have to close your store because nobody will want to buy your products anymore. So the owner goes to the parrot and say, "Listen, you have to stop talking like this. You have to stop telling her that she's ugly. Or I'm going to kill you. I'm just going to shoot you in the head, and that's it. You'll be finished." So okay, the parrot looks at him. All right. So the next day, the lady, she again on her way to work in the morning, walks by the the store. Surely the parrot is out there. And she looks at him, and he looks at her, and he says, Hey, lady, you know. <laughs> Very good, Nancy. Very good. You're missing your calling, Nancy. you got to start another show there. Your comedy of animals show. There you go. So what do we have in the news today? <clears throat> well, you got Russia here. A little bit of focus on Russia. You know, Russia has at least 2 million homeless dogs in major cities. The most famous are the Metro Dogs of Moscow. See, there they are. Most are born in the streets, but many are abandoned as adults. In December 2018, Vladimir Putin signed an almost unnoticed historic law to end animal cruelty in Russia. Originally introduced in 2010, it took legislators eight years to pass the law. The new law entitled The Law on Responsible Treatment of Animals in Russia bans animal fighting, pet cafes, petting zoos, and that that house exotic animals. Bars and restaurants are also banned from the housing of animals, and wild or exotic animals cannot be kept in apartments and private houses. It imposes strict regulations on pet ownership, including walking dogs in designated areas, and fining owners for failing to pick up after them. Owners are required to muzzle and put a leash on potentially dangerous breeds at a category that the state will define in a later time. Actually, this... Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on this. In um, in 2014, when Sochi hosted the... I hope I'm saying it right. Sochi, Sochi hosted the Winter Olympics. The That's city right. paid at least one company. Russia's had a serious problem, not only the Chernobyl dogs, but there are hundreds of thousands, well, probably hundreds of thousands of dogs walking in the streets, wild dogs and cats, by the way. So um, tourists were going to be coming to the Winter Olympics in 2014, and they just can't have the people. And some of these dogs are wild and dangerous. They go, they bite, they have rabies, whatever. So... The, the city paid at least one company $30,000 just to go around killing homeless dogs, just killing them and, and to kill them with darts, dogs and cats. Who paid for that? The city or the a city, company? The city, the municipality. The city of Moscow? 
S O C H I. Oh, Sochi, that's right. Right. Okay. So, um, and you can see on video carcasses of these animals on the streets. So, in, in two, actually, this repeated itself in 2017 and early 2018 in preparation for the February 18, 2018 Winter Olympics. Okay. So, something had to be done about all the stray dogs and cats wandering around in the Olympic cities in Russia. So, they, the, at least seven of the 11 World Cup host cities were paying to have uh, the strays, dogs and cats, especially the dogs, captured and killed off. It's just brutal. It's just wow. barbaric. So, um, again, uh, a World Cup host city, Yekaterinburg, paid a municipal waste company more than a little over $500,000 in December of 2017 to catch um, a little under 5,000 dogs. Some of these dogs were going to um, be uh, euthanized and others were going to be released. Uh, so uh, it was decided that with the upcoming... Um, so basically animal rights groups, and they do have some of those in Russia. Uh, in two, earlier in 2018, the deputy prime minister, he met with animal rights activists. I think his name is Vitaly Mutko. Um, Sounds like him. Because he met with them because they were worried. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to start, you know, darting these animals, killing them off, like, you know, meaningless things. And so he pledged to stop all the cruelty. And there was already a, a legislation on the table, like the one you talked about in 2010. And he said that he was going to order the construction of shelters. He was going to make sure these animals um, were collected and taken care of instead of wandering around the streets and being killed off left and right. So this goes back all the way to 2014. But the only time they ever take action, which is okay, I mean, it's better than taking no action, is when there's an upcoming event and tourists are going to see how these dogs live. So anyway, go on. In the court of public opinion. Yeah. Well, while the law grants protections to domestic and wild animals being kept by humans, it does not apply to wildlife, fishing, hunting, or the use of farm animals and lab animals. The new law also prohibits the killing of animals under any circumstance. The killing of stray cats and dogs has become increasingly common in Russian cities over the past few years. It is not uncommon for people to poison these homeless right. animals. As I was just saying, yeah. Actually, regular people, because there are too many in the streets and they get fed up and they say, you know, I'm just going to kill you dogs because I don't want you in my neighborhood anymore. <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're few and far between, but it still exists, you know. So the government's got to find some humane way to either, you know, cater to them, save them, rescue right. them, or, or euthanize well, them. Well, Putin has this new law now, but it only goes so far. We'll talk about it in a little That's bit. That's pretty progressive for Russia to have any of these laws. Absolutely. I'm a little bit impressed here. I am. Yeah. The new law mandates that all stray animals are to be captured, spayed or neutered, vaccinated, microchipped, and released. Banning all killing in reality means a complete ban on euthanasia of unwanted stray cats and dogs. All regions are now mandated to trap stray dogs, neuter them, and release them back to the streets or keep them in shelters until they die in their natural natural death. Some so, animals... So, so, I'm sorry. So, so basically... Eventually, it's going to work, this whole thing about spaying, neutering them, and releasing them, because I think they have that in Los Angeles, too. It's called catch and release. So eventually, you'll have less and less dogs and cats in the streets. But there are other issues. The catchers do what? They spay and neuter them, and then they release them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, catch and release is a famous phrase from John Wick movie there, so I had a, (laughs) you know... I love John Wick. A deviation from that movie. And by the way... John Wick and Keanu Reeves there. He's always nice to his doggy, that little pit yeah. bull in there. So without a you name. should give it. Well, he doesn't have to give his dog and a name. Jo- and Keanu Reeves, as we discussed, is a paid supporter. Yeah, so you told nice. me that. You saw that. I have that's to right. verify that to make sure because that would be really Google, great. Google Wikipedia and they say that he's yeah. associated with Peta. Well, we 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 do uh, digress. So some animals are advocates. Some animal advocates say that this is a recipe for disaster. One, stray dogs can be dangerous to other animals and people. Two, the shelters do not have the resources to house all the strays. Next, forgotten animals are uh, forgotten animals and animal welfare organizations that they argue that in municipal dog shelters, uh, they are concentration camps for dogs. Thousands of dogs sit in rows of filthy cages, one on top of the other. 
They urinate and defecate on each other. Most are never walked or socialized because shelters don't have enough volunteers to do that. That's bad. Yeah, they're understaffed. It's uh, I, yeah. This is around Moscow, where other cities are all Russian. All cities. also all the Russian cities. The small number of severely unfunded and overcrowded shelters already struggle to provide the basic necessities such as food and medical care for their animals. Some people who are particularly unhappy to see stray dogs on the streets of Russia have been taking measures into their own hands. Groups of vigilantes kill dogs and cats by poisoning them. Bad, bad, bad. Many animal advocates say that humane euthanasia is necessary and the most humane thing to do under many circumstances when working with abandoned or abused animals, especially when it is estimated that the majority of them sit in cages until they die a natural death, eating garbage, they're cold, they're sick, they're lonely, terrified. Uh, they're unclean, of course, they're not healthy. What we need is clean, healthy, and uh, well-funded shelters. Uh, and that's a necessity, and uh, we can help cure the problem. And uh, Right. And well, less- that's what it comes down to. It's the debate is kill or no kill. And w- to what extent do you keep, I guess it applies to humans too, you know, to what extent do you keep an animal alive if it's suffering, if it's sick? Um, it should be, I mean, I think if it's really suffering and hurting and it's in pain and there's really no hope, you should take them out of their misery. But this new law prevents you from doing that. They really need to fine-tune it. Also, the shelters are there to collect dogs, to find them a new home, to take them off the streets, the ones who can be rehabilitated. They don't have the money. They don't have the, the resources. It, it The law is a step in the right direction, but uh, you, you have to have, you know, except for, except for. You know for. what we should do? We should get some Russian national or get, make a call yeah. from Russia. Right. And they could give us a pulse on the situation. They have to strike a balance. Of course, the, the poor animals that are right. suffering... They have to be euthanized to make way for uh, animals that can be put in better right. conditions. Absolutely, you know. But the overcrowding—they just can't. It's just—it's really, really a bad situation. So the government has to somehow establish regulations to regulate these shelters and make sure that the, the dogs and the cats are taken care of. But I have a little something to to say about uh, Vladimir Putin. I'm very impressed. With Russia even caring Yeah, no, I mean, it's a step animals. in the right direction. But okay, I think it was motivated by the Winter Olympics, but it doesn't matter. The end, you know, it's good. It's fine. They jail their opposing political parties and leaders and all that. Right. And, and there's the streak that he's a little bit slightly kind to animals. No, so he loves good. dogs. He's a dog lover. What so he, he got a lot. He had up to, a, at one point, he had five dogs. Uh, one was Pasha. It was gifted to him for the president of Serbia. Actually, this From goes back to 2000. He was given a. As a gift, uh, a black Labrador retriever, uh, a Russian general gave him, gave him that dog, and Kony, the name was Kony, and Kony died at 14 years old in 2014. But this is what Putin said. He said, as far as bad moods go, of course I have them like any other person. But in those cases, I try to consult with my dog, Kony. She gives me good advice. That's beautiful. Isn't that cute? I think we should try to have Mr. Putin uh, on the show. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll try. I'll, 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 call, I'll give him a call on, yes. on the red line, whatever yeah, you call yeah, the yeah. red phone. The hotline. Yeah. Anyway, he also had got a dog in 2010 called Buffy. I think there was a contest, and they called the dog Buffy. It's a Bulgarian male um, shepherd, and uh, he was given uh, during a visit to Bulgaria. I don't know if the uh, some member of the government Buffy. there. Um, He's strong like Russian the bull. bull. Yume, July 2012, the Japanese government gave him an Akita named Yume uh, to thank the Russians for uh, helping them in the earthquake and the tsunami of 2011. Uh, Verney, given to him by the, as a gift, a birthday gift from the president of Tur- Turkmenistan. Uh, they were in a meeting in 2017, and the puppy is an alibi. You never heard of that? Um, and the dog's name, as I said, is Verni or Verni, and that means faithful or loyal in, Rus- loyal in Russian. And then there's Parsha given to him um, just recently. Pasha. Um, Pasha, a puppy that was gifted, I said, from the president of Serbia. Um, and uh, so now he has four dogs, and apparently the word on the street is that he's a big dog lover. This so, is Putin. Yeah. Yes, yes, keep tuned, f- folks out there, because we will be having Vladimir Putin <laughs> yes, on the <exactly>. show. <laughs>
uh, in what person. A, in person, and we'll be a major headline grabber here. We will have them first. Okay? Uh, so, um, I appreciate. What else do we have? What uh, what other news well, do we, we have we today? Could, we could segue over to India. How about that? From oh, Russia yeah, and India. Yes, yeah. India now is becoming the the most populous country on the planet. It's overtaking China. Uh, and uh, let's go to India here for a moment. Villagers in northern India beat a tiger to death after it fatally mauled a man. The incident occurred last week in protected in the protected area of Pilbit Tiger Reserve. The reserve is home to many wild animals, including the endangered tiger. A female between the ages of five and six had attacked a man who went to the reserve to fish. According to the New York Times, villagers who were working nearby in rice paddies attempted to chase the tiger away, but a battle ensued and eight people were injured. One of the injured later died. Forestry officials told the Times that several dozen people formed a group with the intent of killing the tiger. H. Rajamahan, the Tiger Reserve's field director, told the Times that someone had speared the tiger. The crowd encircled the tiger in a jungle clearing and hit it in the face as it lay on its back, groaning. The tiger slowly moved its paws in a futile attempt to block the blows, but villagers repeatedly hit it with sticks, spears, and machetes. The tiger crawled into the jungle where the mob continued to beat it. What a bunch of savages. Uh, anyway, you know, terrible. I'm. you've heard of the Code of Hammurabi. Go on. I'm going to talk you about know, but was it? It's on its little reserve. Initially. It's a protected. It it's a reserve. reserve. So it's a protected want? species. The, the, right. Actually, I think the, the tiger is an endangered species. It was on its home turf, and the villagers, because he attacked um, a man. I mean, maybe the man came too close. I don't know. Right. But you're it's in his on. Territory. You're in, it's like somebody invades your home. Right. It's if I let it his home, and it probably did what is it so to slowly beat it to death. You know, it's a, it's something to be proud of in India. You know, at least a lot of them are vegetarians, so at least. They, well, I mean, some were arrested, but they're probably going to get a slap on the hand. I mean, there are many, you know, Indian, you know, we nationals who care about nature right. and animals. This is just a group of barbaric. So we can't condemn the whole stupid. nation of no, India. No, not at all. Power not at all. To the vegetarians. Not of at India. all. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. This is just a, an isolated group. But my concern is. What 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 kind of punishment are these people going to have? No punishment. Impunity. Well, now that's where the tiger died several hours later in the jungle. Four people were arrested and 31 received an initial complaint from the local forest department. CNN reports that as a result of the incident, four people were arrested and 31 received an initial complaint. Video of the brutal attack has circulated on social media and has sparked outrage. According to the World Wildlife Fund... Tigers are considered an endangered species with only 3,900 remaining in the world. So bad, I'm bad. thinking an eye for an eye. And this, and I believe when it comes to just savage, brutal killings like that, you need to apply the Code of Hammurabi. And also it's found, I think, in... Uh, the, the, an eye for an eye is in the... Is in the the uh, Bible, too. It's in the, in the book of Exodus. Yeah. And um, it's also in the New Testament. Okay. Uh, for those people who want a, an anchor for this punishment. Um, they should feed the perpetrators to some tigers. It should equally match the crime. That's right. I think they should take these four people who were arrested yeah. and they should do the same thing, the exact same thing that they uh, did to the poor tiger. So and maybe that'll stop future people. Who knows if this has been done in the past? Maybe in other remote areas that we don't know about. And, you know, it, it's not uncommon for people to, you know, in these countries to, I mean, how do you think these these species became endangered in the first place by poaching, poaching and all that? Yeah. So, um, you know, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, tooth Amen. for a tooth. Um, so that's what I, that's how I feel. Keep your ears to your headphones, and because we will be having Vladimir Putin on one transmission, and the next one, we're going to be having the current uh, Prime Minister of India. Okay. Actually, I'm still a, upset over over the tiger. I mean, I when I heard this tiger story, I just I was I couldn't. I was hurting. I was hurting. I could just imagine that poor tiger just yeah. fighting for its life. It's just horrible, horrible. Yeah. Horrible! Mob give mentality. me the sticks and give me the spears, yeah. and I'll take care of those people. I'm not. I have no qualms about 
if it's someone just wrong. has it's like a child you know if a child hits you even though it's wrong to do are you gonna are you gonna or or you know child doesn't even have the intent if they kill somebody they can't even be prosecuted these are children and you these know tigers. it's in their sanctuary and all that okay it is probably like i said they should have their own sanctuary and when they do and something happens on their turf to brutally beat the tiger to death is terrible so if someone has further information about what happened, if how these scumbags are prosecuted, feel free to call in the future shows. Yeah, or you can write Nancy at animallawlawyer.com, or you can even call now. Well, it's too, the, the story's too new, but our call-in number is 323-203-0815. And uh, we're here on uh, Animal News Magazine, LA Talk Radio. You can also listen to our past um broadcasts if you go to uh, there's the LA Talk Radio app you can go to the website you can download the show if you don't if you're not free to if you can't listen to it live uh, but yeah anybody with information please 323 because we will be having Putin and the Prime Minister of India very soon on this show so we like to invest in person. person they'll be no they'll call they'll call they'll Skype us um, but, but folks Yes, so when uh, it suits your schedule, simply Google Nancy DeFabio Animal News Magazine, and uh, I did that, and to my delight, you can just hear the show at your convenience in the car, wherever you are, in the shower, just don't get electrocuted. It's, just, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I don't know if it's practical to do it at the shower, but who knows? At okay. the beach, you know, at, at the, the beach, beach. <laughs> anywhere you are. You know, well, the, it depends where you yeah, are. This Pesky, is an internet, this is, the cabin. Uh, they could be in Russia right now, they actually, be, yes. Siberia, listening to us. It, where, you could right. be in prison and just, you know, tune it into an answer to Fabio. Well, if you're Animal in prison, you can, you can listen to it live because we're only going to go, that's <laughs> all you can go running errands. All the other inmates, man, you could exercise and list, listen to the show. <laughs> All right, can Dale. We what did up? you say? Oh, by the way, did I tell you Dale is here, our producer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm muted. So. Okay, well, you're not muted anymore. I'm unmuted. Good. You're unmuted. Okay, so, so we could we could transition over to crows. Yeah, let's go talk about crows. And not the counting crows either. You know, you might find it hard to imagine that a crow could be as smart as you. Yeah, you, or perhaps even smarter. But scientists have done a series of studies that prove that they might be just as good or better at solving problems. In one study, researchers gave crows and humans the same puzzle. A toy floats on top of water inside a tall glass, too narrow for a bird to get its beak down for a small child to place their hands onto. Children younger than eight years old are completely stumped, and generally they can't figure out a way to get the toy. But crows aren't confused at all. They simply drop pebbles into the narrow glass. Eventually, the stones displace enough water at the bottom of the glass, but the toy rises to the top and the birds can quickly snatch it. Wow, that's pretty clever. Isn't that a smart bird? That's one hell of a smart bird, I'm telling you, man. So how do you tell... Tikane Topolakisu. So how do you tell a crow from a raven? Um, Well, Uh, ravens, they travel in pairs, while crows are seen in larger groups. Also, if you study the tail, as the bird flies overhead, the crow's tail is shaped like a fan... Well, the raven's tail is wedge-shaped. So one's a fan, and the raven is wedge-shaped. I don't know what wedge-shaped means, Nancy. Actually, for me, the easiest way to do is to listen to the bird's calls, because I know the tail could be far, yeah, you can't see well. But you have well. ravens here in Los Angeles, right? Not crows. Well, they, the ravens have a, low, a croaking sound. I don't know how you make a crow. Well, the crows have a calling Dale, sound. Have a croaking sound? Okay. Nancy, you have a rooster sound? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Put a rooster on. The audience doesn't know. So. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, wow, interesting. Between Raven and a crow. What about their personalities? Are they in the same family? Other, are they, do they have similar characteristics other than sharing the same color? Crow, I crows don't know. I'm not an expert on. Uh, okay, a... those of you who know the difference between crows and ravens, feel free to call in, please. All right, and you will be immortalized when you call in because you'll be on future podcasts. You'll you'll be part of you know radio history. You'll live forever and ever. Forever and ever. Difference between crows and ravens, and they're related. What do they have in common besides their their color? They're birds. And don't judge them by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. They're all my children, all the animals. So anyway, I want to finish my story about eggs, if I can, before Christina hops on and talks about a very serious subject. Um, 
talking about eggs, and we're talking about forced molting, how a hen naturally molts, but um, caged eggs, cage-free eggs, um, they you most of them uh, force. I remember the story the from last time. Yeah. yeah. So what does the molting do now? The, the, what has it induces the stress in the egg-laying hens, so they'll so they they're starved for by the except for the organic and pasture-raised ones, most of them are um, they're starved for five to twenty-one days. Starved. Starved, wow. literally. Well, they're given a little bit of water. They have to Terrible. keep them alive. So they might just give them water so that then when they start laying eggs again, the eggs are bigger. Um, so generally, uh, the organic and the humane egg certifiers will not allow molding to be induced in chickens. Molting. Yeah, no molding. They do that here in America. Yeah, so organic, if the egg is organic, usually uh, the certifier will not allow the molting. So, I mean, I check, go and check and, and call and read and do your you know do your homework before you buy stuff. There's another. I thing still that, don't know what to look at for, for a dozen eggs. Well, what's a telltale sign, Nancy, for a consumer out there? Well, the I'm going to get to that, but okay. the a, the best certification is the AWA certification, Animal Welfare. Oh, I'm not okay. sure what the I have it here somewhere. Um, yeah, something like that. There's the highest level of cert. You mean certified is good, but they have different categories, different conditions for certification. So the best thing to do is just call them. They'll be more. I mean, I've done it. They'll be more than happy to provide the or even the egg provider, the egg producer. They're usually small farms. They'll be more than happy. They've responded to me, and they'll tell you, "Oh no, we don't. We, it's not. There's no forced molting." Um, and there's another thing that's also that's another reason why I don't. Well, there are several reasons why I don't eat eggs, and this is another one is a bee trimming so it's an animal it's a it's a common uh, animal husbandry industry practice it's uh, it's commonly carried out in the poultry industry even uh, in organic eggs and it's a procedure by which part of the top terrible. and the bottom of the beak terrible. of a bird is removed it's called debeaking also but it's really beak trimming um and and actually if the bird's beak grows back um, enough to cause pecking damage, it's retrimmed again. So now I think, I think you figured out why they have to do this because when when industrial producers try to raise their birds in as small space as possible, whether it's a battery cage, they or, go nuts and they want to peck each other. Get exactly, violent. they get aggressive. Just like people would go crazy, and they fight for space. Exactly. Terrible. So, That's and this sick. is compounded with the forced molting. So you can have a bunch of angry, violent mm. hens running around. Um, now, are these eggs that we would see in our local grocer and all that? All, almost all of them. This is bad. So what's a safe bet for if they insist on buying eggs, our listeners? What should they look for? They well, you More have than better... cage-free, pasture? Cage-free you know. doesn't mean much. Doesn't you should mean. look for pasture-raised, organic, because automatically an organic egg will be cage-free. A pasture-raised egg has to be cage-free. So you have to really call the egg producer, start by... Uh, Humane Certified or um, Animal Welfare Association Certified. I'm going to get to it in a minute. Start there with that label. Uh, And uh, vegetarian fed is, is, I mean, if they don't have to go outside and see the light. If they're vegetarian fed, they they don't go outside because then they would eat bugs and that would be a misrepresentation. So we don't mind if they're not vegetarian fed because if they eat insects and whatnot, that means they're free range. Exactly. See, do we you're, want you're free range? It. Do we yeah. want free range uh, chickies? We want free range chickies, don't we? We want free range chickies. We do, but we but free range doesn't necessarily mean that they go outside. It just means that they can range. So oh you you need to so okay, even cage free, caged, free range, and even pasture raised hens who do not receive enough space can get aggressive. So the ones who have these pasture-raised hens, which give them a little small yard, if you have a 1,000 hens and you have like a 10 by 10 green space, technically I guess they're pasture-raised, but they still need to be debeaked because uh, oh, they're going to go nuts on each other. So it's to avoid injuries in cramped living spaces. So like I said before, many organic and humane certifiers, they will permit this beak trimming for those purposes. Um if uh, you know, 
and and they their argument is say okay we'll, we'll do it because it's promoting the welfare of the of the hen it minimum but it has to be done in a way that minimizes pain and stress so the organ of organic certifier the main certifier will say go ahead trim the beak but make it as painless as possible and we understand it's for the welfare of the hens um so um so you need to check with the certifying agent to see if uh the hands are molted or forcefully molted and or are debeaked, even though it's beak trimming. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit before uh, Christina is going to be calling in a few minutes. So um, there's this cutting a uh, hen's beak hurt. So according to the American Veterinary Association, the unequivocal answer is yes. They say that a bird's beak, these are veterinarians, isn't as it may appear a hard nose, but it's actually a sensitive organ. It's an organ with an extensive nervous supply, including what they call nociceptors that wow. sense pain and harmful stimuli. Wow. Um, Terrible. When these nociceptors get agitated during beak trimming, they cause acute pain. Okay, chicks routinely have their beaks streaked by a number of methods when they are one day old as they are vaccinated. Um, studies show this is the American Veterinary Association. I'm not saying this. Studies show that this is a painful procedure and can result in chronic pain as the bird ages. So I'm going to go next week. We're going to talk about um, the different techniques of beak trimming. Um, you know, there's mechanical, hot blade, electric. It should electric. be all altogether. It should well, be banned. Well, there are there is at least one egg producer out there um, that doesn't do beak trimming. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk more about that next week, but um, that's uh, what. Uh, and we invite you to contact. Maybe us I can if you, if you talk have... a little bit about it now, since we're waiting for Christina to call. But if these people have expert knowledge as to some of these issues we address, they're invited to contact the show. Right. You're always invited to contact the show. So there's the mechanical way of, beak, of trimming a beak, and that's uh, using a, a blade or uh, a scissor. And the, these scissors are called secateurs. Um, so they, the turkeys that were uh, trimmed with secateurs, they evidence acute pain and um I, you know, this was this is these are all studies, these are all reports. Uh and the the Another thing about these uh, mechanical methods is they rely on human precision instead of machines. So uh, <laughs> that leaves, this leaves a lot of room for Do human they use error. biofeedback to, to see, you know, to determine in a sensor sense. I don't know. The behavioral data was collected. That's, I guess, how that's how they they. Uh, I'm I'm sorry if I'm hesitating. Oh, I'm trying all, to check for the ways, call. Are there ways to produce eggs without abusing these? This poultry and trimming well, yeah, you have to be a small producer, and you 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 have a low profit margin. So there's the hot blade of uh, trimming the um, the beak. It's a heated blade, which is often mechanic. It's, it's mechanic mechanized, but it also causes um, it sounds savage acute anyways. pain. It sounds savage. Uh, somebody's somebody's hello. This is Nancy from Animal. Hi. Hello, Christina. Yes, it is. Hello, Christina. So you're on Animal News Magazine on LA Talk Radio. You're with me, Nancy. And William Mayoff, and, me. And our co-host, William Mayoff. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on. So, Christina, tell me a little bit of uh, who you are and what we're going to be talking about today. Well, I am actually, I'm first and foremost a high school teacher, um, but I'm also sort of leading a double life as a journalist for Citizens Journal, and I am also a resident of Port Wyoming, which is adjacent to Ormond Beach, which is the topic of my segment. Yes. So what's going on with Ormond Beach? Why do we have to talk about Ormond Beach? Give us a little background. Okay. Well, Ormond Beach is um, a wonderful little area. Um, it's a, it's a two-mile beach located between Point Magoo and Port Wainimi, and it is a place that is considered environmentally sensitive. It is a wetland area. It's, uh, it sees over 200 migratory birds. Wow. There are two birds there in particular that are endangered. Um, we've got the snowy plover and also the least tern. 
the snowy plover is federally threatened and a California state species of special concern. And the least tern is both federally and state endangered. Um, why this is important is because this area has become a magnet for um, the homeless or in some cases, in many cases, vagrants. And I use the word vagrant to refer to people who are hostile and um, who have deliberately done damage, not only to the habitat area, but who have um, been violent to the people who have tried to protect these endangered creatures. In what way have they become violent or hostile? What have they done specifically? What's been reported? Well, um, the first, I should say also there's a, a tidewater goby in the lagoon there at Ormond Beach. And what brought my concern to this area is when I saw that someone had dug a trench, a two-foot trench from the lagoon out to the ocean in some sort of effort to drain the lagoon. And the lagoon is home to another Um, endangered species, the Tidewater goby. And um, so the uh, Oxnard City Corps came in and they filled it up. That that was considered an an environmental crime. Um, There is a woman by the name of Cynthia Hartley. She is the president of Ventura Audubon Society. And uh, she has had some of her uh, beautiful signs removed signs that, that state, you know, you're, you're not to enter this area wow. because we've got birds of global significance in this area. So some of her fencing has been tampered with, her signs have been removed. And she also for a while had to um, have her, bio, her student biologist not go out into the Ormond Beach area because it was getting very dangerous. So how many... Um, I saw the video that you sent. It's very uh, heartbreaking. How many homeless or, vig- I mean, they're all vagrants, vagrants to me, yeah. um, do you think live there now? Um, from the last I heard from officials that were looking at that area, including Wyoming um, Police Department and Oxnard PD, uh, was roughly 150 encampments in that area. 150, you and, painted out. 150 encampments, you said? Encampments or people? Encampment. Oh so I don't goodness. know what that translates to in terms of people. So you guys had a meeting on July 31st, I believe, with the city or some government officials. Did that take place? Yes, it did. And it was actually called the Ormond Beach Restoration and Access Plan Public Input Meeting. And it was hosted by the three partners that kind of oversee the Ormond Beach area. And that would be the State Coastal Conservancy, uh, the, um, the Nature Conservancy, and the City of Oxnard. So all three of those players are major stakeholders in that area. And for the last 30 years or so, they have been working on trying to make this a beautiful or to restore this beautiful area um, into a wetlands preserve that would be enjoyed by birders, hikers, campers. Uh, people who are interested in maybe even hiking. I know that the La Sierra Club is interested in uh, taking people on guided tours in the area just to talk about the birds. Imagine taking them on a guided tour. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry? I've said imagine taking them on a guided tour now. (laughs) It wouldn't be a good thing. No, and those those have actually um, stopped as well. So it's, it's just too dangerous. I myself, I was threatened with a man uh, with a shovel. I used to walk that beach area from Port Wainini to Point Mou, which is where the naval base is, but I was threatened with a man with a shovel. Um, mm. And we also had a junior lifeguard on Ormond Beach uh, this summer, and there was a man who came um, from behind the dunes, a vagrant, and he was brandishing a knife. So they had to move the junior lifeguard down to the water, and you know they were kind of getting prepared to, to make a, a fast exit through the water. My goodness. Okay, so let's get, I, I digressed, I'm sorry a little bit. So let's get back to that That's meeting. That's okay. <laughs> so and, what happened and, at the meeting? I'm restraining myself. Tell us what happened at the meeting. Then, then, by all means, we have to, you have to specify uh, to the extent possible what we can do. 
to to cure this oh. problem to cure this problem is there's so many other places for these homeless vagrants they can come down here to la county and they can come along the freeways and all that and to to uh what's his name there to to uh you know what's his name garcetti yeah you'll, yeah you'll yeah pants and, garcetti. right and then what's his uh, and then um the governor's name is Gavin Newsom. I'm having amnesia here because I'm I'm so dismayed. I'm actually disgusted by all this. But we have all kinds of areas under freeways, all kinds of attractive places here in L.A. Maybe not beachfront. So we got to try to funnel those people down here because it's right. it's, it's a and disgrace. You, know, and, and, you and I would get in trouble for camping on this beach. Thank you. Well, they're they're a protected class now, but that's another subject. But, so but, what? But so you, what happened at the meeting? But what? Go ahead. Yeah, what happened at the meeting, Christina? Well, it basically, it was kind of what I thought it would be, and that was that we have probably, I want to say about 100 people. I didn't have a chance to actually look at the number of people who attended, but you had a lot of people interested in the area. We had, um, um, we had the EPA there. We had um, the Ventura Audubon there. We had, uh, we had Kelly Long, uh, who is a Ventura County Supervisor District 3. She oversees that area. She was there. Jackie Irwin uh, was, uh, she sent someone from her office there. Um, so, and we had a lot of citizens groups. We had the Saviors Road design team there. Um, they've Christina, been working on this problem. Christina, yeah. pardon me, does PETA get involved with fowl and birds and this kind of, these kinds of issues? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, does PETA get involved with these issues of fowl and what's going on here? Does PETA... You know, concern itself. About I, you this. know what? That's a really great question. I haven't even contacted them. Um, I've, I, I seem to have contacted everyone else. I'd love to find out um, because but, I was telling Nancy they're like the ACLU, but for animal welfare. So, so in a follow. You know, that's really well. That's, I mean, we have. I uh, we've, I've been thinking about this, but what? what did, so, what was the outcome at the meeting? You right. had all these interested people, these concerned citizens. Uh, so, was there a plan? Um, the, okay, so this this um, plan has been in the works for the last 30 years. Wow. The feasibility study of this plan was done in 2009. Nothing's been done. Um, they've refined the plan. They had a, um, a similar meeting like this years ago, and they took the public input back to the scientists and back to the figureheads who are creating this plan, and they tweaked it and made modifications and so forth. So that's what this this meeting was all about was, to present what they came up with from that last meeting. And then they are going to have one more public input meeting in the spring and then they have uh, 2020 and they hope to have a final plan in winter 2020. They're hoping for construction in 2024. So this is, this is like, construction I have, what? I have heard about what? generations of people dying no, while no. they've been waiting for this project to go. There, okay. We have a violation right now. William, were you going to say something? Well, uh, let me let me say something. We have a violation right now. Okay, there's a city. Who's who's supposed to be taking care of these beaches? Who's who's in charge? Is it the city? Oh, there's a city that's ordinance. A great question. Okay, because so, okay, let me tell. Not- you, there's a city ordinance that says that you're not allowed to camp there. there the or- I mean, I read the ordinance. It's pretty detailed. It's the pretty specific. General, the attorney general, the city attorney's office. Port one email and all they should care about this and do right. something. There might be federal issues here too. They're actually a good point. The Port one email and all that used to be famous, Christine. Remember, just for air shows and all the beautiful stuff, air right. shows instead of so, instead of all these people just socking it to the wildlife and all. It's terrible. Yeah, okay, so I I yeah. see there's a mandatory duty. So you know, there's a, the government has a lot of immunity when it comes to lawsuits. William, you're a litigator. You know this more than anybody else. I know, but you need an attorney general, a deputy city attorney, and you need some someone maybe on the federal side to start enforcing. There's laws out there. That, yeah, that, but this is also a specific level. It's a specific level. I don't think that if if there's a city ordinance, a specific city ordinance that mandates the city to do something, they're not immune from from a lawsuit. Right. And the enforcing body, though, the enforcing body, the attorney general of California can enforce these things. So that would be because it seems to me, Christina, with all due respect, there was just more talk at this meeting. Yeah, that's all baloney. It's all delayed. Talk, talk, talk. I mean, these birds are going to be extinct by the time something is done. And more and more homeless people are going to, because they're smart. These guys are smart. They talk. They say, hey, you know, nobody's going to come. They're going to leave us alone. Like more and more people, this it's going to get worse. That's what I'm trying to say. Christina, and in the meantime, as the days and weeks pass, as is evidenced here in Los Angeles and Southern California, okay, 
these people, not everyone is, is, is a bad boy or bad girl, but by and large, they defecate, urinate all over the place. They're going to pollute the environment. They use drugs. It's unsanitary. Rats, all this stuff is going to obviously ruin the ecology of what's, what you're trying desperately, what we're trying desperately to protect up there. For God's sake. So there, is there a small group that you're either leading or involved in that wants to take specific action against a government body to stop this from continuing? Oh, yes. There's at least two groups that I can think of off the top of my head that would be wanting to do that. We just don't know. Like, we've contacted the EPA. We have written um, our district um, supervisor, county supervisor. We have written our senator. We've written our assemblywoman. We're not getting it. It's just dead, dead, dead. Nobody's replying. And paid and celebrity people, too. You know, I suggest that's, William, is a good idea. People for the ethical treatment of animals, maybe they can orchestrate something. And also, if you can contact the attorney general, because there's an injury there. Uh, There's, there's those, the encampments are a danger, not only to the environment, but to the people uh, who live there. So, I I think if this is delayed, excuse me, if this is delayed with weeks, days, months, and years, they're going to further destroy the environment there, the 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 vagrants and the homeless people. I'm really serious. Do you have any lawyers in your pack who? uh, Because you're going to need none. None. So we need. We have, and and one of the reasons why I'm I'm so happy to be on your show today is because I want to advertise. If anybody is interested in helping us. Uh, with this, any law, in, uh, not law enforcement, sorry, attorney or yeah. lawyer um, who can help us and can and um, kind of put us on course. We, we need help because this is, like I said, this is going on 30 years now. And um, there was a cleanup in 2018 of this area, a part of it, and 38 tons of trash was um, taken out during that see, cleanup in see. 2018 in just 10 months. Ten months, thirty-eight tons of trash. Terrible. In ten Nets months. Nets have been broken in, in the months. last year. Um, cameras we, that were trained on the birds to watch the chicks and their development; those have been stolen. So, uh, yes, you're right. Disgusting. I fear that our our children in the next generation they're not going to be able to see this bird because of our lack of um, protection. The California Attorney General is one resource. This, this is, this is, uh, and this is the right administration to do it. Right, right. California uh, Attorney General. So, I would think. Yeah, yeah, no, one would think so. Uh, because you have to take, you, you have to file a lawsuit. You have to threaten with the lawsuit. Because why, why would the city not want to do anything? What, what do they say? What do they, what do they argue? What's their argument? What's their position? They, they, they are uh, broke. Wait, I'm going to forget something. This, this is very important. Very, they're what? Sorry, Christina. They're broke. They're oh, broke. They're broke. Christina, here's a great strategy as well, okay? And we'll work together and we'll have you again on the show. We'll try to mobilize, refer to the appropriate websites and all this. But look. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. But look, if you get those mailings, the little cardboard mailings, solicitations, the attorney general up there, I don't know who the people are in Oxnard and all that, Port Wanimi, but they will advertise. And they're sensitive to public opinion. They want to be reelected for life, long-termers. This is very bad stuff to run on to see how the environment up there, the ecology, Port Wanimi, how, how our, we have no legacy for our kids, how they're destroying the environment, they're emptying at the lagoon, 10 months worth of all the trash you just mentioned. So when you, you really have to be sensitive to who solicits or who's running for office to seek re-election, the attorney general's office up there, local city attorneys, I'm really serious. And once they see it's affecting them, they're going to be environmentally friendly and conscious. I'm serious. Yeah, but uh, the senators and the, I mean, we need. How do you get the attorney general to file a lawsuit? Well, they would have to file society, a private lawsuit. But Odomont Society, these guys have been in business for for. No, but if ever. the private citizens have an injury, there's an injury to them. There's a fear of their. You know, I would I would suggest that the attorney general doesn't do anything. And again, William, you're right. the litigator. You tell them this. You tell me if this is the right course. Mm-hmm. If the att- attorney general doesn't move, they need to get an attorney who's going to. Do it pro bono or for a very cheap, you know, cost, and sue the city. And yeah. you see, there are three partners in the suit. So all three of them, or potentially class action. That's a good point. Or a class too. action. How they're harming the environment, the local harms, they're polluting, whatever it might be. You know, the lagoon area, whatever it is. And, and uh, I think on a collective basis. Yeah. Some so, attorney might be interested in, in seeking to certify the class. So we don't have much time. Go ahead. I know. No, that's what I'm hoping. I'm, and I, I, I really appreciate you having me on the show. And I would definitely like to come back and give you um, an update on 
you know, our movements and what happens. And, and I have another thing. Excuse yeah. me, sorry. To California has uh, ballot initiatives, as you well know. And this is something we could contemplate, too, to put on a ballot. That, you know, there's no camping and homeless nonsense and all around protected areas and all that. And you get that on the ballot. And then the local prosecutors, they have teeth. They have something to prosecute here. Right. Ballot initiatives, mm-hmm. sometimes you need you know, 5,000, 10,000 signatures, whatever it is. Have you gotten it on the news? Does, has the media reported Not it too. in your neighbor, in your uh, community? Um, I I have you guys, and I was on KFI as right. you know, and that that's it so far. Yeah, so I'm going to be in touch with you. I want you back on the show, so I'm going to give you some information on the attorney general and all that, and uh, maybe even on uh, you know their, their government immunity, whatever. But um, let I think what the first thing you should t- uh, kind of go for is uh, free stuff like the media. Call the local tele. Look, the media is always looking for news. The newspapers, any form of media, they're always looking for news. So go to um, your local uh, radio I, and television station. Christine, I think a good place to start is you go on the internet, look up the city of Oxnard, look up the Beachport One email and all that, and you're going to get a nice fancy little picture with the flag or the city seal or crest behind how they're serving the... How, we'll, we'll, all, we'll try to help you as best we can. But if you go, you click buttons and all that and on, on the internet websites, and the you know, city of Oxnard, beaches, whatever it is, and, and uh, how it's a hazard to all the families there. There must be a bunch of people, hundreds, thousands, hopefully, people who want to bring their kids there and no longer can do that. Yeah, so the first thing is to... Uh, people are... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, people are what? Intimidated no, I was going to say, I, I was gonna say, yeah, people are very upset. And I, I want to... I stand corrected. Um, the Ventura County Star, um, uh, we have a great reporter, Wendy Lung, has definitely been on top of the story. Fantastic. But that's about all I know right now. Well, call her and say, hey, how do I get on the, you must have a local TV, radio and TV station. How do I get on all the stations? Just you go, you do the rounds like you did John and Ken, like you did on this show. And and in the meantime, we'll see how we can help you from a, from a legal angle to uh, get you to, uh, the attorney, to somebody who listened and filed. We, we, need, to, we need to file a lawsuit. Christina, that's why people yeah. take off from L.A. and L.A. County to go to Ventura County. Right. Is, isn't Oxnard part of uh, Ventura County or am I way off? Yes, it is. Well, that's why people no, run is. away from the, the, the crap of Los Angeles. Excuse my language. Some refuge there. We put it in delicate, politically correct terms, but but we're on your side and we'll assist any way we can. Christina, we have no more time, but uh, I'm going to get in contact with you and uh, maybe in a few weeks or maybe even a month, uh, come back on the show and give us an update of what's going on. Or sooner, depending on... She on... just ruffled my feathers in a good way, Christina. Yeah. She can't wait, she can't wait for a month. <laughs> you guys are wonderful. Thank you so much for having me and for supporting me and supporting my team and Amen. the citizens out there in Port Wyoming and in Oxnard who are fed up with the city of Oxnard mainly because... They're the ones that are supposed to be keeping the beach safe. They're the ones that are supposed to be keeping right. the vagrants out of the wetlands, and they're not doing it. Okay, well, we're going to work on it. Thank you very much, Christina. Be- I'm going to follow up with you. Thank a pleasure, you. Christina. Have a nice day. Okay, perfect. Bye-bye. 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 All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So this is all the time we have. So thank you very much for spending this time with us, and um, we're going to follow up with this story, that's for sure. So everybody have a great rest of the day and here, today. And here, quick, very quick. Be the person your dog thinks you are. Okay. okay. Or your cat. Over the tigers. Okay. okay. Be the person your dog or your cat thinks you are. Okay. Have a nice day, everybody. All Ciao. the best. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on LA Talk Radio.